Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I'm dead serious. You could set your watch to Steve Kerr joining us on time, always. He is nice enough to join us once again here, live at 5 o'clock, brought to you by Xfinity. Stay connected, protected, and entertained. Steve, thank you for joining us. It's Damon, and for the first time ever, I get to introduce you to Alan Stiles, who is in for Ray Ratto today, and it's nice to finally bring you two together. Well, it's an upgrade already. <laughs> yeah, Ray is auditioning to be a mall Santa down in Tanforan. We hope that it really, you know, his, his dream job comes true. Um, it's good to have you on. Thank you very much. What a fun game in Dallas. I know it didn't end the way you wanted to, but there were a lot of good things, and we'll get into some of those details. I'll just start with this, though. Has, has a traveling point of emphasis started to become a point of contention? Um... I think only, only based on consistency. You know, there were there were ten travels called in that game. Um, Got to be the most by far of any game I've ever been involved in. Um, player, coach, um, GM, whatever. Like even collegiately, uh, right? I mean, yeah, even collegiately. But on tape, um, all seven of ours were were definitely travels. Um, there was one on Dallas that I did not think was a travel. Um, Luca had a, a move in the lane that looked a little funny, but it wasn't a travel. Um, but there were also five or six other plays in the game that were definitely travels, including you know when Luca carries the ball in the post when he's backing you down and he puts the, his hand all the way underneath the ball. Like that's you know that's a travel. If, if you're going to enforce all this stuff and uh, and you got to enforce it all, especially if you're going to call the one on step at the end with the game on the line when it's a tiny little shuffle. Um, so if it's, if, you know, I'm, I, I, you know me, I'm miss, Mr. Travel. I'm all for enforcing traveling, but it just has to be done all the time, and it can't just be, you know, sort of uh, selective in a way. I think if you drag a pivot foot, we should we should crack down on that. But a little foot shuffle on a gather. Or just a little palming of a ball to make a move that then turns into a highlight. 
And then, to, you know, you've been, you, you played with and you have coached superstars all your life. I mean, how many times did they take away an opportunity for Michael Jordan to have a game-winning shot? I mean, I watched him push off in Utah. No whistle. No whistle. You know, no whistle. Uh, uh, and it just feels like the NBA didn't become a multi-billion dollar league by watching officials make calls against superstars with a game-winning shot on the line. And I don't want to get you fined or in trouble with anyone here, but I... Uh, you know, even with an emphasis on traveling, you just you cannot blow a whistle on Steph Curry in that moment. And oh, by the way, <laughs> if that is a travel, Steve, we need to take 10,000 points off James Harden's career because that's his move. <laughs> well, that's my point. I mean, it's just if it's going to if it's going to be called and, you know, Jordan Poole has been called for, uh, I would guess, seven or eight palming violations over the last month, you know, since the uh, league decided to. Uh, to um, really enforce all this stuff, um, and if that's the case, then you know we got to call it on on everybody, and um, and that that's my only that's my only beef is that um, you know these things are happening a lot, and um, we we got called for a bunch of them. I have no problem with it. Like I said, um, a rule's a rule, but um, let's just let's just be consistent. That's all I ask. Steve, Alan Styles here, as Damon said, really good to, to be chatting with you. I had a question saying on that track with, with Jordan Poole. You know, you've, you've dealt with this before in a different way with Draymond Green in terms of how Draymond is and how refs can be a little quick to, to give Draymond a tech. But if a different player did something like that, that might not be a tech. Do you feel like at this point in time, Jordan Poole might be, for lack of a better term, being targeted in these travels and discontinued dribble situations versus, you know, other other players that are doing the same thing. Like you said, I mean, Luca was literally I worked as a server back in college and he was serving it up on a platter before he turned the ball back over to, to dribble and nobody was calling anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, like I said, that's my uh, my only complaint. Um if, uh, if it's going to be called, it's got to. It's just got to be consistent. And uh, I, you know, the, the, I think what's been tough, um, you know, for our players is that th this was um, a point of emphasis as of about a month ago. Uh, usually, these things are explained to the teams in the summer, and you know, you have a, a training camp where exhibition season where. You know that point of emphasis is really hammered home, and the, you know it kind of shocks the player system, and they're able to adapt and adjust. But this one happened kind of you know twenty games in, ten games in, whatever it was. Um, so the, the the timing on this one was a little different. Um, but I'm all for I'm all for good footwork. Uh, it's actually driven me crazy over the years watching the number of travels that have gone uncalled. So. Uh, I'm I'm all for, I'm all for it, but just just make it consistent. Again, I feel like I'm watching Big Ten basketball sometimes now, watching an NBA game, and Ted Valentine's out there just, you know, <laughs> five wessels between Minnesota and Northwestern because it's just, it's a, it's a bit much. Let the players play at the professional level, please. But yeah, Dragon Pivots. Uh, Luka Doncic at 23 years old is. I, I don't want to. I don't know if he's even better than he was when he was at twenty two or twenty one because he's the rare NBA entity that almost arrived as as a finished product. He is he is spectacular and about as complete an offensive force this league has ever seen. It is age twenty three season. As someone who has watched him grow, who has been coaching against him for years now, 
Um, does how, how dazzled are you by what this guy represents to this sport? Yeah, he's amazing. Um, just an incredible player, and, and uh, had a, a spectacular game against us, obviously. Uh, but he's just, you know, he's, he's so big and strong, and uh, so he gets anywhere he wants at his own pace. Game never speeds up for him, and then he's got that slingshot jumper, you know, that he can shoot fading away, and you see it's almost impossible to challenge it. So just a phenomenal player and uh, great for the league, um, exciting to watch. Um, so, you know, he's, he's going uh, to be one of the marquee names for the league for the next decade. It feels like you really believe that your pieces are, are coming together now. Does it feel tangibly like you guys have turned a corner from the start of the year? Oh, for sure. Um, but the exciting thing is I think there's still a ways to, to go from a ceiling standpoint. You know, we're, uh, our defense has been better. There's no question. Like over the last 10 games, um, we're better, but um, we're not where we need to be. Um, we still, I don't think, are playing with uh, enough of an edge for the 48 to really be good defensively. So um, I think we can get there, but um, we're, we're definitely on the right track. Our guys are working, and they're doing a, a great job. Um, we've, we've been pretty consistent here over the last 10 games. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're putting together uh, offense and defense and connecting the game well. And, uh, so I, I like where we're heading. Steve, on Tuesday night, the second unit really swung the game in that first half. Poole setting up teammates. Lamb made some shots. Kaminga playing great defense without fouling. His blocks were just all over the place. Has Draymond become the key to that second unit, finding its legs? And also, can you talk a little bit about Draymond offensively in terms of the shots he's been making? I mean, he, he it, it feels like Draymond pre-KD in terms of what he's been able to do offensively. Yeah, I think he's definitely the key to that second unit. He ties everybody together. He makes the game easier at both ends. You know, on offense, he handles the ball quite a bit, which takes some pressure off of Jordan. He's uh, one of the best screen setters in the league, so he frees guys up. And then he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. So uh, he's, he's just going to make any group better defensively. So it just feels like we have uh, <laughs> a little more continuity and a little more connection. And I think you're right, Alan. I mean, the, the offense, when, when Draymond is aggressive like he's been, it, it, uh, it takes our team to a, a different level. And I really like the way he's attacking the basket and, you know, shooting the open three when it's there and, and uh, really generating a lot of good stuff for, for us offensively. Steve Kerr with us here on 95.7 The Game. So you said that Jonathan Kaminga had played the best game of his career in Dallas and as specific as you can be, you know, because you mentioned he, he made a lot of plays that led to winning plays. Um, can you tell us specifically, what is the biggest difference you see in how he's playing now from, from the start of the year? I think he's just not worried about um, having the ball in his hands, frankly. You know, he's, he's really locked in defensively. He understands that, you know, his job is to, uh, to, to play great defense both individually and as a team and then just run the floor. You know this team is is built around around Steph and, and Clay and Draymond and you know the pick and roll game, the ball movement, um, and if he just plays within that uh, style like he's been doing, he's going to get you know he's going to fall into 10, 12, 14 points just because he's so athletic and because the other guys have, uh, attract so much attention. Um, and so it's all a part of the process of, of JK just 
uh, figuring out how to play with our group, but also just gaining experience as a as a really raw young player. So exciting to see it all come together. When you see it come together like this, Steve, and we know all the work that you put into it, it doesn't just happen overnight. But you know, to, to the viewers, it might feel like that. Does it does it give you hope for for the Moses Moody's and the James Wiseman's in terms of them being able to continue to work hard and and maybe the 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 switch will go off for them as well, and they'll be able to contribute and, and add to this team? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think what we're seeing here is is a theme around the league. You know, you've got young players who are really gifted, <laughs> very skilled in a lot of ways, but um, just inexperienced. And, you know, we we just have a team that happens to be defending a title and has a lot of vets, and uh, so there's no free minutes. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, what J.K. is showing is that, uh, you know, he's going to make an, a contribution, and I think uh, there's no question both James and Moses can do the same thing, and, and um, you know, with, with Moses, it, it really feels more like a numbers game than anything. Um, he's, he contributed last year. I mean, he's a young player with, with good feel and, and uh, basketball IQ, and I just, I just think his time is going to come. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of the, the numbers, uh, you know, working out for him. And, uh, and with James, you know, he, he, he needs reps. He only has the three college games and the half of the you know, less than half of a season with us in the NBA. So this is really good for him to be in Santa Cruz, uh, getting a ton of reps, playing a lot, building some confidence and, and you know, getting that foundation underneath him. Could you tell us a little bit about your plan to return him to the NBA? Is there a benchmark of games you're looking at? Is it a style of play that you're looking out for him? Is it a, you know, if, if he put up a, 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 a 50 point 30 rebound 10 block night, does he come back automatically? Like, <laughs> well, can you tell us a little bit about the process that you hope he goes through? Well, in the NBA, everything is very fluid. And um, so we don't plan for long term. I mean, the, the plan right now is for him to play in Stockton uh, tomorrow and Saturday night, and then we'll reassess. And, um, you know, we, we obviously have games tomorrow and Saturday, and you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so we'll, we'll reassess after these next couple games, and uh, we'll figure out what, what we think the best course of action is. Go ahead. Yeah, so, Steve, Draymond made a point after the Utah game about the core being finished products and the young guys getting compared to them being unfair. You know, it was really fascinating. Um, the to the balance against winning and development, how, how do you think that's gone? I mean, the team has been playing a bit better, but should we pump the brakes a bit? Or are, are you worried that maybe everybody sees a couple good games and, and now we forget that it is still a work in process? Or are, are you feeling better about it as well? No, I, I feel really good about uh, what J.K. has done in you know, the last few games. I think it's real progress. It doesn't mean that everything's going to just keep going up from here. There, there's usually ups and downs for every player throughout every NBA season, whether it's Steph Curry or, or you know, a rookie. So um, I'm just excited about J.K.'s approach uh you know, how hard he's working, how connected he is, and his awareness of what, what's needed and what's happening. And I'm excited about James and, and, uh, and Moses and the, the, 
quality of human beings they are and the talent that they possess. Um, it's uh, I know there's going to be a microscope on all these guys because they were lottery picks, but we just have a really unique situation, as Draymond pointed out, and that means we have to handle it in our own unique way based on um, the circumstances that, that we have. And all three guys are doing everything possible to uh, to make themselves the best players they can be, and and we're really uh, we're really happy with with that process. Got a three game homestand starting with the Bulls on Friday night. Do you still get a little uh, little lump in your throat when you see that uniform? Do so you get nostalgic for the Bulls coming to town? Not really. You know, when I go there, yes, just to to be in the United Center and and to, you know to feel that familiarity from being a player there. But uh, when it's a road game and they're coming here. It doesn't feel any different from from another team coming in. Have you had to move any practices or any meetings around to accommodate watching some World Cup games? <laughs> uh, not yet, not yet. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, Saturday's game is really early, and uh, we won't have a shoot around. So, uh, you know, guys will be able to watch that one. But never know if if uh, if, if we advance. Um, there may be a shooter on this called off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know that you uh, you are a check the box soccer fan. Uh, I am of uh, assuming that the head coach of Team USA basketball is very much in the corner of Team USA. But there's always that other team. Uh, who is your other team that you pull for in, in the World Cup? Well, I don't. I don't have one. Um this year, I I, I, uh, I, I I support the Egyptian team because I lived in Egypt for three years when I was growing up and uh, have a soft spot in my heart for, for that country. So, you know, if they are uh, able to, to make it out of qualifying and get to the World Cup, then I always pull for them. Uh, they're not in it this year, but um, you got to love uh, the upsets and what's happened. I mean, Japan uh, and Morocco advancing is just, Incredible. So I'm, I'm sort of pulling for both of those two. Nice. Everyone loves an underdog. Uh, uh, I didn't spend any time in Egypt, but as you do know, Steve, I spent four years in Bloomington. Did you see my Hoosiers last night against North Carolina? Oh, we're back, baby. Are you? Yes. Uh, it, it's We're back. Checking. And, I, and I'll just... I thought North Carolina lost three straight. So are the other two teams that beat them, are they back too? No, but I really like Alabama taking oh. them to four overtimes to soften us, soften them up for us. We, we, we do appreciate that. I only bring this up because next weekend I'm going to Las Vegas for Indiana versus Arizona. Yes. And I feel like yes. we need like a little bit of a wager on this. And and then I, I, th- I thought, what could I possibly do for you because I know what I would want to win can I tell you what I'd like you to put on the line sure I want to hang with you in Paris and maybe even get to come to some Team USA practices <laughs> when when the Olympics starts The the I, I told my wife I said we're going to Paris for the Olympics in my life I will never know at least the head coach and probably two players on the team like I have to be there for that just for that opportunity uh, will you let me behind the red velvet rope should Indiana beat Arizona I was thinking maybe I'd just like wear an Indiana shirt, you know, if they won. Like that would be a lot easier for me to to, to handle. But uh, I'll look into the uh, velvet rope stuff for you. Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to give that some thought. Um, 
You give me next week off from the show? No, but I can I can limit this to five questions. That's the best I can do. Steve, thank you I so. Get to, I get to pick the questions next week. Fair okay. enough. Fair, absolutely, right. Steve. You can interview me and Ray next week if he's back, and you can see how the uh, mall Santa thing is going for him. I love it. Thank you, Steve. All right, guys. Have a good night. Always great to talk to you, Steve Kerr here on ninety-five-seven. The game. I'm going to be the ball boy in Paris. I'm going to tell you that right. I am getting mm-hmm. I am getting reps in. This this feels like it's going to come together. I don't think you're going to put me on the team playing. I don't think I'm. I I, I don't think they're going to give me any shots. But I'm going to, I'm go, I'm going. It's happening. Find a way. Put it's it in the happen- universe. It's happening. Putting it in the universe right now. Although I got to tell you, it would be nice to see him take a post game podium wearing an Indiana T-shirt. Yeah, that that would be nice. That would be awfully nice. It would it would play well back home with the friends, I'll tell you that much. Anyways, uh, thanks to Steve Kerr, as always, for joining us. It's great to talk to him. And, and it really does feel like for the first time this year, the Warriors are on the precipice of being the Warriors again. Yeah. They're not there. They got a long way to go. Uh, but the good news is, is they're really tough to beat at home. What are they, 9-1 and one now at home? So yeah. road struggles, not good. I figure they... They figure that out, but you, you, you are who you are on the road, at home. That's best case scenario. At least the Warriors are still winning games under any and all best case scenarios. Yeah, right now, right. Just like you said, you do your winning at home, you do your losing on the road. That's how you get a five hundred team, and that's what they are right now. So there is one thing that I definitely want to get into with you here today, specifically, Alan. And, and I told you about this before the show even started. LeBron James mm-hmm. was asked, or, or, or wasn't even asked, I think LeBron James brought up the fact that no one had asked him about Jerry Jones being one of the faces in a very culturally significant picture of students protesting integration in right. the South back in the days that weren't so good. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, the saving grace for Jerry Jones in this moment is not that he owns the Cowboys, is not that he can turn around and pretend, be like, oh, well, I'm really good friends with black people now. Talk to my black friend, if you would, please. Yeah. He can't. That is not the saving grace. The saving grace for Jerry Jones is that his face is at rest. If his face had been covered in anger, I think he's in a little bit of... I think he's in a little bit of trouble. He seems to have skated past this moment. He's a face in the crowd. But we all know probably which side of the argument he was on in that day. Right? Right. Right? Um, Here is what LeBron James had to say. And, uh, you know, he starts with a point about Kyrie. And the point I think he's making is any single time anyone who looks like me steps into a level of controversy, I'm asked about it an awful lot. But when someone has the complexion unlike me, that story seems to fall by the wayside. I want to play the soundbite, and then we'll have quite a bit to talk about. I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk, and he says, I know who I am. But I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And 
that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes, I get it, but it seemed like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened, okay, we just, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. LeBron dropped the mic and walked away. Before I lead the witness, what do you think of that statement? How does it resonate with you? I think LeBron was obviously trying to make a point in that he was probably asked about the Kyrie stuff ad nauseum. And obviously he has a relationship with Kyrie. You know, they, they've won a championship together. And it's just a, it's a tough subject on its own. And, you know, I, I think what LeBron was trying to do was just say, hey, I've been in this game for a long time. I've been asked a lot of things. And, I, you know, LeBron was, and I say was, he was a Cowboy fan. And I just read about this not too long ago. Apparently, when Jerry Jones said what he said about the kneeling at the National Anthem, they wouldn't be playing for the team. That's when LeBron stopped being a Cowboys fan. I just read that not too long ago. So with LeBron being a former Cowboy fan, he just feels like I've been asked about all these things. But... Let me ask you, if he grew up rooting for the Cowboys his entire life, they're in the Super Bowl this year. Is LeBron a Cowboys fan that day? Maybe in, maybe in his heart of hearts. Probably is, Not right? on social yeah. media, <laughs> right. Right? right? So I, I think he was trying to show, he was trying to just make a point in that. It, it, to me, is the comparison exactly apples to apples? Probably not. I, I don't think it is. We have... You know, different leagues. I know you're going to get into it a little bit. Two different leagues. You got a player. You have a you, you you have an owner. So it's not the same. But I think LeBron's point was simply that I haven't gotten one even mention of it out of all the all the media availability I do. And he's probably asked about the Kyrie thing in every situation. So is it is it the exact same comparison? No. But I think LeBron felt that this was really his only opportunity to to. I won't say make a stand, but just speak on the fact that the Jerry Jones thing seems to have been, you know, we'll just move on. That's how things were back then. Well, you know, what are we going to do about it? So to me, I, I like you said, this is hardly apples to apples. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving is a contemporary of LeBron James and a former teammate and an interpersonal relationship between two guys. I don't even know if LeBron James and Jerry Jones have ever been in the same room together. Right. I don't even think that I, it's it's probably not a far-fetched idea to pull out of thin air. They probably have, right? But I, I don't see them as contemporaries. And I also don't... Uh, I, uh, did we ask... Did we ask LeBron James about Tyler Skaggs's death when he overdosed on fentanyl with the Anaheim Angels. How how often are we cross-pollinating sports questions to LeBron James? Because I think that probably alone made half the people who might have asked that question think, well, it's an inappropriate question to ask, not due to any racial connotation, just because it ain't, it ain't the business we're in. Mm-hmm. It just isn't the business we're in. I, I don't think that there's a single person in the NBA media carrying any buckets of water for Jerry Jones. 
You know, I mean, it's not like he was being protected in any way. And I thought that that's the only thing that LeBron didn't couch correctly. It sounded like, you know, you guys will come after Kyrie, but you're protecting Jerry Jones. I, I don't think anyone in the NBA media is protecting Jerry Jones. I will also say this, and boy, if you feel differently about this, you certainly have every right to. Maybe this is the privilege of me being a white guy who's never experienced a drop of racism in his life. I would never hold it against an old person from the antebellum South for having once been a racist. Hopefully they evolved. Hopefully they have become a different person as time has marched on and you've seen the error of your ways and the way that society moves. But to me, there's no more crime of having, you know... Countywide beliefs pounded into you in your childhood that formed, you know, that was a part of your developmental years. Like, it, I've always said that the number one thing that determines your religion is whoever your parents prayed to. Right. And then beyond that, the zip code you were born in. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. The single most Bible thumping Christian in the South, had they been born in Morocco, might be Muslim. You know, that's just sort of the way it goes. So you are a product of where you are from. And Jerry Jones was from a time that went out of its way to grow racist white boys because that was what what, that was the the order of business down there. Mm So I don't, you know, like to me, being angry at Jerry Jones for being in that picture is being angry at Paula Dean for maybe using, you know, a few words she shouldn't have because she's an old lady from the antebellum south you know like i i I, like i i i don't excuse it but i think i understand generational racism more than any other level of racism that's for sure yeah and and, well number one in terms of what LeBron said and them asking the question the bottom line is this if that was an nba owner if that was mark cuban in a picture they would have asked lebron about it He's an NBA owner. Absolutely. Right? That, that's the sport that he he's He was immediately in. consulted about Donald Sterling. Exactly. Exactly. So that's number one. Number two, to your point about essentially, and it, it, I understand what you're saying, it's tough because it can come off as the, the racist grandma, right? The, well, that's how things were back then, even right. though I, I... But who offends you more, the racist grandma or the racist granddaughter? To me, it's the racist granddaughter 10 out of 10 times. Well, yes, because we would assume that they know... That they should have. You grew up today. You knew different. She might not have. Re- yes. What, now, whether that's okay or not, that's ultimately the qu- the question, right? right? And everybody's entitled to their opinion. People will say this for as old as the reason people aren't. And I don't even know what giving a pass means because Jerry Jones, we, we could quote unquote cancel him right now. I, whatever. Jerry Jones is not going to care if Alan Styles cancels him. Jerry Jones is not going to care if if ninety five seven the game never says his name again. We're not allowed. It's a right. bad word now, right? He does he doesn't care. The thing is this: ultimately, what Jerry Jones, uh, what what he was a part of, the two sides are okay. He's 14, 15, He's a kid. That's how he was. That's how he grew up. What what black people have said, and obviously I'm not speaking for all black people at all, but Emmett Till was about the same age. And we all know the story of Emmett Till. If you don't know the story of Emmett Till, he got 
killed in one of the most awful ways possible because the, the claim was that he whistled at a white woman or something like that. Turns out it was all a lie. On her deathbed, uh, she said he didn't even it, do it. It was, it was all a lie. I think there's a movie out about that now as well. So that's why people don't want to give Jerry Jones this quote-unquote pass because black people, black kids were dying back then. On the flip side is this. If we expect Jerry Jones to be the the 14-year-old, 15-year-old white Martin Luther King and be the one that stands up to his friends and, and his community and say, you know what, this isn't right, I don't expect that either. I, I, I just don't. And to be completely honest with you, Damon, if, if you needed to see this picture to question whether Jerry Jones was racist or not, you're probably just living under a rock. I mean, I'm not so. If, if somebody told me Jerry. Pretty naive, right? Yeah, if yeah. somebody, like, looking, and maybe that's just me. I just, if you are an older white person, I'm not saying I'm, I assume you're racist at all, but I want to, I want to double check, right? right? You're I, from that neighborhood. Yeah, let me, let me at least hear what you have to say, right? And I don't know. And then, what well, you know, the, the, the race thing compared with the national anthem thing, we're not necessarily trying to you know, mix those two together, but it, it, anybody, any black person that needed this picture, and you know what? There are a lot of black Cowboys fans out there too, but any anybody that was surprised, I'll put it to you like that. If anybody that was surprised to see Jerry Jones in that picture, that that's on you. That's on you. I, that didn't surprise me at all. I wonder if Jerry Jones was surprised he was in that picture when this became a topic like a week ago. Like, did he did he know that that picture was taken? Did he ever think to himself, boy, I hope this doesn't come back and bite me in the rear end one day, knowing that right. he was out there thinking, it's a good thing no one else has ever connected. Hey, that's the face of a 13, 14, 15-year-old Jerry Jones right there. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if he was bracing for this. I wonder if this didn't come to the surface because Daniel Snyder really did stink, uh, sink investigative guys into Jerry. I mean, I'm not trying to change the subject from a very interesting conversation, but I really wonder if this isn't part of the Daniel Snyder's got a book on everybody, so you better not try to drum him out of this league because he's got the old what for for you should you yeah. start coming up against him. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's where this came from because it feels like we would have been aware of this before. Yeah, and, and to me, to be completely honest with you, Damon, I'm just a bit of a cynic when it comes to this stuff. I mean, it's Jerry Jones. He owns the Cowboys. Right. Right. And we could. He's racist. Does Jerry Jones actually care about any? I mean, oh, he only man. cares about his body. The only care, and, and the only know, color he really cares about are green and silver and blue. And, and you know, and, and is this going to change any any cowboy fan's mind in turn when when Sunday comes around? Besides LeBron's, besides besides LeBron's, but this what, wasn't even what broke him. It was it was the anthem thing. It was the yeah. anthem thing. So when it's you know th this Sunday when they're playing the Colts in prime time, uh, how many cowboy fans? You know what? That picture from when Jerry was a kid, I just, I, I can't watch this. I can't watch them. It's not, it's not going to matter. So I don't want to say it's a, a moot point. I just feel that in terms of Jerry Jones being in that picture, not surprising to me at all. Now, whether Jerry Jones is a racist or not, I have no clue. Never met him. Never met him. Probably won't meet him. But I know Stephen A. spoke out on it. The black community did not like what Stephen A. had to say. What did he say? I, did, I missed so it. So Stephen A., Stephen A. said, Jerry Jones, you know, he's got the whole bit about the Cowboys thing. And he says, Jerry Jones is a friend of mine. And I don't think, he, he went the route of, like I said, there's two sides. You're either on the side of, okay, he's 14. He's not, what is he going to just, what is he going to do? That's how he was, that's, everybody was 
Mob mentality. Mob mentality. And the other side is, well, we had we had black kids dying at the same age. We can't put out these excuses. So so Stephen A was, of course, on that first side. People didn't like it. Called him a bunch of names that I can't say on FCC airwaves. But the, the, the bottom line is, all right, if let, let's say, OK, we're not letting Jerry Jones off the hook. What what is the hook? What what what, what do you do? Right. You're, you're gonna you're gonna take away his team. Would he give him a parking ticket? Right. I mean the 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 whole thing about how and again I'm not saying at all that I think that older white white men or old white men are racist or whatever the case is or older white people in general. The 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 bottom line is Jerry Jones. There's a picture of him, so I guess that's proof. But how many of these owners have something else? Right. So. Raider fans, that was their whole thing about the John Gruden situation. They weren't saying that John Gruden was, they they weren't saying anything John Gruden said was okay. It's just, I refuse to think he's the only one talking like this. I refuse to think that, you know? Right. Go dig in everyone's closet. You're going to find skeletons. Exactly. Everyone. Um, You know, somebody says here, asked the question on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Was Jerry Jones taking that knee in front of a camera a stunt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it was. Because that, he- was, that was later. Right. That was after he said, don't do it. And then when they did the, the, the unity thing and they were holding hands, that's right. when he did. But remember, that was not during the anthem. Right. That was before, before the, the anthem, anthem. And then they, yes. Real quick, Poke in the Richmond. What's going on, Poke? What do you got? What's going on, Dan? Hey, real quick, okay. Uh, Alan, what ethnicity are you? I'm black. You are? Okay. So you know as black as a black man, not all black too, you know we have never been a monolithic a group of people, correct? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, the black community did not speak out against Stephen A. Smith, especially after he clarified himself. When he clarified himself, it was more of an understanding of what he's saying as far as the photo. Now, what LeBron was saying more so to uh rather than to Jerry Jones individually, he was holding the media, the mainstream media, accountable for how they push narratives between black and white people in general. Just like, for example, what has happened with the reporting on Brent Favre? Has that disappeared? Can Mm -hmm. you imagine if Brent Favre had been a black man, the narrative from the mainstream media, and uh, the only reason... The only reason that this is getting the attention that it's getting is because LeBron pushed it out. And remember, these same journalists have asked LeBron an abundance of questions from his uh, opinion on Donald Trump, from his opinion on Colin Kaepernick, from his opinion on everything. So we can't get on national radio airwaves and say it's apples, it's oranges, because if it was apples, it's oranges then that same media would only ask him questions pertaining to his sport. They ask LeBron questions on everything. And that's what, and, and I and I do think that that's why he was like, well, how come this didn't come up? Yeah. And, you know, I wonder how many people in the room were like, oh, maybe we did drop the ball on this. Maybe we should have asked. Maybe this would have, you know, had my column trending that day if I had actually asked or something. And just from a pure selfish attention standpoint, maybe a vastic. But thanks for the call, Poke. And, and again, no one wants to be monolithic. Yeah. I, be stereolithic. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still say just on its face because you, ha- I get, yeah, LeBron's whole point was when it's a, a black person, 
you guys have all this stuff to say when it's a white person, you don't. So in that way, I get what LeBron is saying, but the apples and oranges, that just comes into play just in terms of uh, Kyrie is a player. Right. Kyrie is actively, you know, taught like th- this stuff was actively happening. Jerry Jones, this was a picture from from back in the day, not excusing it, but I could see how. You know, when a, a reporter is going through now, now, again, he did this in a post game. I, I think he's not talking about someone bringing it up in a post game. I think he's talking about, hey, when we have media availability, you haven't brought it up at all. I'm not saying at all that they shouldn't that they shouldn't have, you know, brought it up. I just think that when you're comparing a, a, a situation happening in your league, I get it. They asked LeBron about a ton of things and it did just kind of go away. I, I just think that the comparison, and it, it, for a large scale, sure it works. But I, but again, I don't blame LeBron for using it because it was an it was it was a good opportunity to use it. Does it? But I could see a reporter saying, "Well, I mean, they're different." But I think maybe that's part of LeBron's point. I, I thought it was interesting. Like, I, it's it's officially something I didn't think we were going to be talking about today at all. I heard the LeBron soundbite, and I thought, should I say this for Larry Kruger tomorrow? <laughs> or should I ask you about it? Should I should I wait for Ray to get back, or yeah. should I ask you about it? So yeah. thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate it, and you obviously possess a uh, an opinion that I, I can never meet you at. You know, I right. mean, it, this show can be a lot of things. Without you, it can't be uh, co-hosted by an African American gentleman. So thank mm-hmm. you very much for sharing what you really thought. Appreciate that. When we come on back, a call or two. And goodbye to a legend. I mean, a real Hall of Famer who passed away today. That's how we're going to wrap up this air and this show this afternoon. On 95.7 The Game, we are brought to you by Pfizer and BioNTech. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Well, it wasn't Damon and Ratto today. It was Damon with a little style. Alan Styles, nice enough to come on in and hang out with us. And and again, uh, I don't even think I might have brought up that last topic had it been two white guys talking about it. But having you in here, I thought, gave us an opportunity to scratch an itch worth scratching. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much. And somebody here on the uh, Xfinity Mobile text line, you know, might not like you or how you sound and... Maybe they're the racist. Well, you know, they're out there. They're, they're still out there. They're, they're out, out there. there. Contrary, contrary to popular belief, they're still out there. It ain't Xanadu yet. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. That's why Ray is out as a Santa Claus shopping, as mm-hmm. a shopping mall Santa Claus. He's trying to spread a little cheer. That's right. Uh, how about this, by the way? Uh, just handed to us a uh, news dump. It's not a Friday news dump. It's a Thursday night news dump. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have seen that Draymond Green has been fined $25,000 for directing obscene language towards a fan in Dallas. This was announced by Joe Dumars, the executive vice president, head of basketball operations for the NBA. The incident occurred at 11.20, remaining in the fourth quarter of the Warriors' 116-113 loss to the Dallas Mavericks at Airline Center. Um, I will just, uh, in, in you know, the... At the risk of oversharing, I specifically remember taking a bathroom break between the end of the third and start of the fourth quarter, and I had not returned to my. I did. I had no idea that even this busted out. I didn't see a peep about it on oh, Twitter. I saw. You did see it. I saw a couple people retweeted. I mean, I saw. I saw it live. I didn't and, hear anything. I didn't see anything. You know what? Uh, you know what, Damon? I don't know when Draymond's first podcast is going to come out for for this uh, this season. But I'm really, I am really interested to see. W- if he says anything, now that he got fined, maybe he will. My guess is that that fan was saying some wild stuff because Draymond was like, you don't bleep and know me. Shut the bleep up. It was at the foul line. Draymond was on the low block. And because of where the camera was, you could hear everything. That's probably why he got fined because as a as a viewer, you could hear it. I really want to know what Maybe, maybe it's the guy on the text line. Maybe there were some buzzwords <laughs> used. Maybe he called him a triple single, which yeah. we also know gets under right. Draymond's skin. Right. But anyways, a $25,000 fine for Draymond Green. The good news is is he's got that cash in his ashtray. So he's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's the equivalent of They have of no chance. Fi- I mean, they have no choice but to just, hey, we got to find you. Yeah, right. It's gonna, it, it looks like a lot of money to the rest of us, but to you... It's no big deal. Yeah, there's a there's a funny video of I forget what movie it's from where they're like, okay, hold, hold on one second, and Draymond's just reaching in his pocket just to give it to Adam Silver. Here you go, right? Here you go. If I were Draymond, I'd send the NBA a check for a hundred thousand dollars right now and just have at it with any fan I wanted to. I, I would prepay my future fines for those who would be talking yeah. too much to me at the free throw line. Anyways, um, Damon, is Ray really a tan Foran playing the role? Come on, no, Ray is not auditioning for Santa Claus. God. Oh, my God. I love you. Thank you very much. You know better than that. You know better than that. I said earlier he was out burying his pet cat, Pickles. That wasn't true. 
No, I don't know. Ray needed the day off. I think he needs tomorrow off, too. And, and Larry Kruger is going to be uh, in with me. It's certainly a, a pleasure to be in with you today, an afternoon drive. But you got things to do tomorrow, do you not? I do. I do. I will be, for all you roasters out there, I will be on the morning roast with my guy, Bonte. There you go. There you go. It's afternoon drive, mm-hmm. morning drive. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I got a sleeping bag here. I'll just, I'll just hang out. Dude, we are all witnesses. Yeah. The come up is real, man. It really is. Um, look, uh, we are watching the come up of Nick Bosa, who, by the way, was named NFC Defensive Player of the Month. We didn't even manage to squeeze that into the show today, so I think I should bring it up right here. The other news about the 49ers that feels like important news is that Nick Bosa is going to get one of his defensive line buddies back. Eric Armstead says he is back and going to play against the Dolphins. And if you were worried about Christian McCaffrey, who is telling reporters, well, at least Kyle Shanahan was telling reporters, you know, there's a little knee discomfort. Uh, he has told everyone that he has dodged a bullet with his knee issue. He feels great. He'll be playing against the Dolphins on Sunday as well. And look, we have, as we were saying earlier in the show, a really interesting matchup. And I know you're going to be all over it with Bonte tomorrow. The amount of, uh, you know, a well-known instincts of a coach. I mean, I, I was stunned to find out that, you know, it's not like Mike McDaniel and Kyle relationship worked together for a couple years. They've worked together for 14 years, spanning five different franchises. So these two guys know each other like their own reflections. And that's going to make a very interesting matchup just in terms of, you know, styles make fights. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to use your last name seven more times. Just use use an I instead of a Y and we're good. Totally. You know, Damon, it's also... The, the time that they spend together, you can make the argument when they were working together, they spend more time together than they did with their families. Oh, without a doubt. Without a, certainly during football season, mm-hmm. that's, that's for sure. Um, what also makes this fascinating is not only the head coaching matchup, but the fact that the 49ers and Dolphins will be just the fourth time in NFL history that a team that scored 30-plus points per game in their last four meets a team that has allowed 16 or fewer points per game in their last four. Mm. So we got a very interesting clash of styles coming up on Sunday in Santa Clara. There is no doubt about it. And look, today, some heartstrings were certainly tugged on. Gaylord Perry passed away at uh, the age of 84. It was natural causes. Um, the spitball got him two Cy Youngs, five All-Star games, and a 22-year-long career that ended up in the Hall of Fame with 314 wins and 3,554 strikeouts. I will tell you, back in my day across the street when I was uh, hosting FanFest, I had a Q&A session with Gaylord Perry and Vita Blue, and I watched those two guys spin yarn and hold court, and it was phenomenal. Gaylord Perry was a hell of a personality. Mm-hmm. A hell of a personality. And... Uh, I guess when you got a little personality, it rubs out uh, uh, on the kids. It rubs off on on the kids because in one of the single greatest quotes of all time, 1971 NLCS, it's the Giants playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Gaylord Perry's five-year-old daughter, Allison, was asked by a television reporter if, you know, her father threw the grease ball, the spitball. Is he out there cheating? She just looked at the reporter and she said, it's a hard slider. (laughs) 
That's raising a kid right. There you go. That's raising a kid. It's a hard slider. That's all she said. Um, Gaylord Perry, talk about they ain't going to make him like that no more. Uh, Gaylord Perry threw 328 and two-thirds innings in 1970. And for comparison's sake, that is 102 more innings than Madison Bumgarner has ever thrown in any single season in his career. They just don't play like this no more. Uh, By the way, he was robbed. Uh, Bob Gibson actually won the Cy Young that year. I was looking at the numbers today. Dude, Gaylord Perry should have won that Cy Young. He got screwed. It's probably because he was out on the West Coast, which brings us back to, is Aaron Judge really going to come out here? Because they don't pay quite attention to you like they should. They don't. East Coast bias. Thanks to Sweeney Murdy for joining us today. He was uh, He's all over the New York Yankees. He would be shocked, he said, if Aaron Judge leaves. We had John Morosi giving it 50-50. We'll see. Apparently, the decision's going to be coming soon. Thanks to Steve Kerr for joining us today. And I'll let you know if you want more Warriors talk, you're in the right place. Because Warriors Roundtable with Kevin Dana. And Gary St. Jean is coming up next here on 95.7 The Game. So that is right around the corner. Isn't that right, Gary? Apple bottom jeans, boots with fur. Absolutely. How do you miss that? So stick around. Warriors Roundtable is next. You will be right back here first thing tomorrow morning. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for hanging out with us today. This was great. You were This was last minute. Like We tagged him in right as the match was starting. And really appreciate you showing up today. It was fun. My pleasure, Damon. Thanks for having me. Thank you very, very much. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.